welcome back to Microfamous. We've got a super fun topic. We are talking about the pet peeves of podcasters on the pitch emails they get from guests. So we're talking about kind of what not to do when you reach out or one of your staff or team member reaches out for you to pitch you on a podcast. Now, why is this a big deal? Well, obviously, it's the first step in the Microfamous system. I talk about it in the book. It's in the fast track. It's the very first place to start. Uh, my perspective on it, which I'll get into at the end, uh, is that you shouldn't be pitching yourself cold. So most of what we're talking about in this context is cold pitches. You know, you don't know the host. The host doesn't know you. It's a little bit different if you are reaching out through relationship. And in those cases, I would recommend, um, especially if it's a real warm relationship, if you know the host or if you know someone that knows the host pretty well, just you'd be better off dashing off a quick email yourself that's just super authentic that just says, hey, uh, you know, I know we both know so-and-so. They suggested I reach out. Uh, they thought I might be a good guest for your show. Uh, I typically talk about X, Y, and Z. They thought I'd be you know, good for your audience. If you agree, let me know. We can work something out. And just something simple and authentic if you're reaching out to someone where there is some sort of warm relationship there. So what we're really talking about in this is uh, a lot of the cold pitch emails that podcasters get, and I see them every day. Um, and there's a lot of problems with them, but I want to dive into the specific pet peeves. Some of them are really simple and practical, what I would call tactical. So the first three things or first four that we're going to talk about are, are very practical, um, easy things that, uh, that people miss out on. And then we're going to get into more strategic stuff and we'll finish out with some stuff that even podcasters disagree among themselves on. So you kind of either have to know who you're reaching out to, or you just have to take a stab in the dark sometimes. And if you don't get a response, change up your strategy and send a, a different email the next time. So don't be afraid to follow people. But with all the attention that's coming to this, this kind of strategy right now of getting featured on podcasts, we're getting flooded with podcast pitches that are poorly written, poorly researched, poorly executed. You know, there's a lot of folks out there, uh, you know, there's a lot of speakers that have been sidelined by the fact that we're not having events <laughs> since last year. Uh, they're just kind of now putting their toe into the water on live events, uh, but nobody's really on the speaking circuit right now. So everybody's sitting at home looking for ways to get on virtual stages. And they're kind of thinking of podcasts as, as virtual stages. People are hiring freelancers who, you know, just basically send spray and pray, you know, cold emails. And that's hurting uh, experts ability to get featured on podcasts that could make a huge impact. So what I did is I reached out and I surveyed some of the best people that I know in the business podcast space, and I asked for their pet peeves when it comes to the pitches that they're getting right now. Uh, they did not hold back. We're going to start with the tactical stuff first and move on to the more strategic. So let's jump in. This is pet peeve number one, a templated email with little or no customization. So this one comes from a good friend in the industry, Matt Aitchison, better known as Matty A, host of Millionaire Mindcast, which is a fantastic podcast for anyone who wants to build wealth and create freedom in their life. Um, and this kind of pet peeve is one that I really hammer home to anyone who pitches me or anyone that comes through our internship program where we teach them how to pitch uh, clients as part of our training process. Um, never, ever, ever send an email that is an obvious template. Um, we do start and we have anyone that comes through our training system kind of go through a template, but you have to copy and paste and start with that template in such a way that everything throughout the email is consistent. And then you heavily customize that template for every single different podcast that you reach out to. Absolutely no spray and pray cold emails, right? That's number one. Pet peeve number two, is having an obvious lie right off the bat. And this one comes from Christopher Lockhead. Uh, he's the host of Christopher Lockhead, Follow Your Different, the host of Lockhead on Marketing, which has hit number one in the marketing category, which is an insanely incredible achievement in a very, very crowded space. 
And Chris is one of those guys that has a very finely tuned BS meter. Uh, and he's not fond of people reaching out with an obvious lie right in the first line of the email. So it's funny when he and I were chatting about this over, you know, just messaging back and forth about his pet peeves. He actually shot me a screenshot of an actual exchange between him and someone that pitched him on LinkedIn that was quite hilarious and revealing because the guy you know, like Chris questioned his approach, like, hey, you know, you claim you're a big fan of my podcast and then you drop somebody's name that I've, I don't even agree with. And I talk about all the time about how I disagree with them. And the guy actually responded and kind of got into it with Chris and kind of explained some of the thinking. And uh, the dead giveaway in all this was that he claimed right off the bat to be a big fan of the show and then proceeds to like mention Gary V in a positive light. Now, if you know Chris, that's like the worst possible name to drop in a pitch email because it basically gave away right off the bat that he was lying about being a big fan of the podcast because Chris is known for uh, being kind of like railing against the the hustle culture. And he, basically he is as far away from being a Gary V fan as you can possibly get. So dropping Gary V's name in a positive light in the pitch email basically negated everything he was trying to do right off the bat. It was a dead giveaway that he he was not actually a fan of the show and that that was a lie, right? And some people look at that and they go, oh, but that's not, that's just, that. those are just words. You know, he's just saying he's a big fan. What, what's what's the matter with reaching out? You know, just because I said a big fan doesn't mean, uh, you know, I'm not, not still reaching out for a valid purpose. And I get all that. But at the end of the day, my perspective is if you say you're a big fan, you better be a big fan. If you reach out and you claim to know a previous guest, or if you, you know, if you're a claim to know a friend of the host, you better actually know them. Um, you know, if you found the show and there's no real connection, don't fake one when there isn't one, right? Just be honest, be direct. If you want to pitch someone like Chris that you know has that very finely tuned BS meter, just be direct. Because uh, what the interesting thing about it is, someone like Chris doesn't mind getting a cold pitch. He doesn't just doesn't want to get a crappy pitch that wastes his time. So if you're, you know, if you're pitching yourself, or you're having someone reach out to podcast host cold for you, which you should be, just have them be direct, right? In, in your pitch email, just have, you know, tell, uh, they should be promoting you as a, a compelling guest, tell, telling that host what's compelling and different about you and telling, uh, you know, the host why they think you'd be good and why the, their, their audience would enjoy the conversation. That's what the podcaster is going to care about. So you may not always get the yes, but at least you don't end up with your pitch being used as a poster child for obvious lie marketing right? So that's pet peeve number two, obvious lie marketing. Now let's get into pet peeve number three, which is not knowing anything about the show. And this one comes up a lot when I talk to podcasters and I'll give you a couple examples. So Chris Snoggle, who's a client, we launched his podcast, Real Estate Money School, which is awesome. This is how he put it. They don't know my audience because they never watch my podcast. Period. End of story. <laughs> right. Uh, here's here's how Steve Werner puts it. Steve is the host of Grow Your Impact, Influence and Income. And he's one of the most thoughtful and professional interviews I've ever encountered and, and just an all around great guy. But he said, look, they, they don't know anything about the show. They've obviously never listened to it. And that's a really crappy position to be in as a podcaster to get a pitch email and feel like, look, they didn't even bother reading the description of the show on iTunes. I deal with that a lot with my real estate podcast because people don't look beyond the name of the show. And it's right in the tagline and in the description that we're a show for real estate agents and I get pitched investors all the time, right? You can tell from taking a five second glance at the show on iTunes that we are not for investors. It's right in our tagline. It's right in our description. You can scan it for five seconds and see that that's the case. And yet we get pitches all the time from people that just look at the title of the show, find an email and fire away. 
right? So if you're going to reach out to podcasters cold, make sure that whoever is pitching you is taking the time to understand the show and build a customized pitch for that host, right? They should at least do enough homework to understand who the host is, why they host the show, who the listeners are, what kind of content they cover, et cetera. They won't be able to know everything, but even the most jaded, cynical podcasters respect when someone has done their homework, even if that person doesn't understand everything perfectly, right? You know, researching a podcast from the outside looking in, you're never going to get everything right, you know, but I'll give someone grace if they reach out, you know, like I don't have a, uh, hardly any investors on the real estate uncensored podcast, right? We just don't, that's not a topic we talk about a lot, but we have featured some. So if somebody reached out to me and said, Hey, I know you don't have a very many investors on your show. You know, it's a, it's a kind of a few and far between thing. I know you're mostly focused on agents, but I think I have someone that even though their investor would be able to speak to your audience and have some really great content that they'd get a lot of value out of, I would listen to the rest of that pitch. If they pitch me someone that obviously shows they haven't taken a single second to look at my show beyond looking at the title, I'm going to write that off almost immediately. Now, we produce some shows in the real estate investing space, so I, me in, in particular, I might read the rest of that pitch, but not from my podcast. I might read it so that I can pass them off to one of our other clients right? One of the shows that we produce for clients. If it wasn't for that, I would delete them so fast their heads would spin and they have no idea that that's what's happening, right? So those are the easy tactical mistakes that people make every day when sending cold pitch emails. They're also the easiest to prevent and avoid. Now I want to get into the strategic stuff and then we'll finish them with something that not all podcasters agree on. So here's pet peeve number four, too much focus on how awesome the guest is. Now, <laughs> this is a funny one. Uh, I, I asked David Green about this. David is the host, the co-host of Bigger Pockets, which is one of the top ranked business podcasts in the world and by far the number one podcast in the real estate space. So he gets probably a lot of the same pitches that I do. And here's how he put it. So his pet peeve is framing it, the pitch, framing the pitch as if the guest is doing the host a favor. It's like they're drunk on self-glorification. And that, that made me actually laugh out loud when I read that. Uh, drunk on self-glorification. I, I do see this a lot um, with bigger podcast guests that are being pitched. Focusing on how awesome the guest is rather than how awesome the conversation is going to be for the host and their audience. Now, there's a balance here because, of course, any, any podcaster wants to know if their podcast guest is legit. But, you know, we want to bring people on there that are, that are credible. So even guests that have, you know, a brand name and a following in the industry, that's great. Um, but you don't want to go too far and make the pitch all about the guest and not about the podcast, because then that's going to rub the host the wrong way. And that, that's a really fast way to get your pitch ignored, even if, you're, even if you are legit, even if you as the guest might be amazing for that show. If your pitch is all about you and how awesome you are, it might just get thrown into the, uh, the rejection pile just because of the tone of the email and because you're not showing any empathy for the host and what they want, right? Now let's go to pet peeve number five, and that's the hidden agenda. That's another one from David Green of Bigger Pockets. Um, and he has a lot of this because, you know, Bigger Pockets, because it's so big in the real estate space, and there's so many coaches, consultants, and people floating around selling, you know, co courses and coaching in the real estate space, that if you get on Bigger Pockets, it's a massive credibility indicator, right? And plus, they have this sizable audience of listeners who are proven to buy stuff. So they, they get a lot of pitches from people. Um, and he would rather people be upfront about what they, what they have to sell. Right. If you operate in one of those niches where you have a lot of a lot of experts, a lot of trainers, a lot of course creators, a lot of coaches, a lot of consultants, a lot of everybody selling everything to everyone, just you know, don't hide the fact that you have something to sell. You can also deal with that by specifically mentioning in the email that you're not going to make any overt print pitches. 
and that you're only going to offer ways for people to connect with you online or join an email list. So that can sometimes go a long way towards making podcasters feel better about bringing you on the show. Just, just acknowledge that like, Hey, I'm sure you got a lot of pitches from people that want to sell stuff on your show. I'm not going to promote anything. I'm only going to give people a way to get into my email list. Great. Like if I, if I read that, that at least shows me that you care enough and you have empathy for me as the host to know uh, that you've thought about it and you you're considerate of me and my audience, right? You're going to give people a way to connect with you and that's all fine, but you're not going to push stuff uh, that they, that they want to buy. Right. Um, that that's less of an ex, you know, less of a, an issue in certain niches. But if you're in a niche that's really, you know, heavy and has a lot of competition for course creators and coaching and training and all that stuff, that might be something worth adding to your pitch. Now let's go to pet peeve number six in pitch emails, which is no compelling story. And this is a common one. Uh, Dana Mostaff, who hosts the Boss Mom podcast, says, look, it's been at least a few months since I featured anyone on my show that talks about how to grow a business. I'm drawn to interesting stories that lead to interesting topics. Those are the pitches that catch my eye right now. Uh, which is really interesting because her show is about how to grow a business. But think about that for a second. It's been a few months since she featured anyone that talks about how to grow the business. Why? Because she gets inundated with pitches like that. So the pitches that she is keeping an eye out for and saying yes to are the ones that are focused on a story, an interesting, compelling, unique story that the guest can share that she knows is going to resonate with her audience. Right. That's what she's looking out for. David Green from Bigger Pockets said the same thing. He said, I like when they tell a story, something that makes it easy to see why they'd be good, something that makes it easy for me to see that they would connect with my audience. So for those that are driven like I am to teach and train, it can be difficult to focus your pitch around your story. I know I've resisted it for various reasons over the years because I wanted to focus on the topics that I enjoyed teaching and training on. But the bottom line is that's not always a thing that catches the attention of podcasters, you know, especially when they're in niches that have lots of experts and they all enjoy teaching and training. Like everybody wants to talk about their favorite pet topic and the things that they teach and train on. Um, so look for ways to change your pitch to focus on stories. Now, that could be your discovery story, which is maybe how you discovered your original insights and developed your expertise, or you can focus on uh, smaller, more specific stories that are pulled from your life. But either way, you're looking for stories that are attention grabbing, interesting, unique and compelling. And I'll give you an example. One of the guests on my show, I've actually had him back twice, um, is Matthew Pollard. He's the author of The Introvert's Edge. Um, and he talks a lot about introverts. And he was a massive introvert and was failing as a salesperson and ended up turning all that around to become known as the rapid growth guy with like million dollar sales success stories in multiple companies. And within that overall story, which I interviewed him on the first time that he came on, but he's also got very specific stories and is great at having you know, small chunk stories from his early days as a salesperson and kind of his journeys along the way that changed his view of sales, they changed his view of himself, and it led to like the initial breakthroughs that sent him down this path to, to becoming the rapid growth guy. So he has this amazing story arc and that that story in itself is compelling. But then when he shares that story, and the way that he is able to pitch himself and, and, and share what he would talk about on a podcast is he's got these other stories in there that kind of fit under that umbrella of his overall life story that all reinforce those things and give the podcaster a vision of what that conversation would look like. And they go, oh, yeah, like that sounds not only just like an interesting overall journey story, but within that, there's all these other stories that you can share that reinforce those points. I mean, yeah, that sounds amazing. You know, um, and that's that's what I said, which is why I had him on. 
And so that's what you want to look for. It could be your overall life story, your journey as an entrepreneur that might have a compelling story arc to it in and of itself. Or you might find some very specific smaller stories. You know, uh, if you had Gary Vee on your podcast for your first episode, like one, you know, one of my clients friends did, that might be the story that you that you reach out and pitch with. Or if you're um, one of my friends in Australia who runs events that brings major influencers and speakers into Australia uh, to speak, he could go and just pitch himself on the fact that how, you know, how did he get Gary Vee and Arnold Schwarzenegger to get on a plane and sit 20 hours on a plane to come to Australia and speak, right? That, that is an interesting, eye-catching, compelling story that feeds into his overall coaching company. Right. Those are the things that are interesting and different and eye catching when you get when you when you receive that pitch as a podcast host, you're looking for things like that. So if you can dig into your background and find those stories within your overall journey, those might be the very things that get you featured over, you know, coming up with some compelling topic to share. Now, the flip side of this is pet peeve number seven, which is no problem being solved for the audience. Now, here's how Chris Noggle of Real Estate Money School put it. They never focused on why they never focus on why the guest will solve my audience's problem. And that's one of the most insightful statements I've ever heard from a podcast host in the business space, right? When it comes to niche business podcasts, the audience is listening for solutions to their problems. They're not just listening for the entertainment value, right? So when, when you're being pitched, you want to give the host a concrete idea of the problem you're going to solve for clients and make sure it's an interesting problem. You can do that in conjunction with a story, or you can do it in conjunction with whatever topic that you want to talk about. But if, even if you're, if you're reaching out and you want to talk about a specific topic, share how it's going to solve a problem for that podcast audience. So I've seen a lot of pitches where the focus is so much on who the guest is and why they're a good fit for the podcast that the topic is almost an afterthought. Um, I, I talked to Dana Malstaff of Bosmo about this and she said, yeah, I get a lot of pitches where I look at the topic and I say to myself, how are we going to talk about that for 30 minutes? You know, and I have to consider that I've got only four potential episodes a month where I can feature guests. Is this really a valuable enough topic to displace one of the other hundred people who have pitched me, right? She gets so many pitches that she just throws them into a folder and, and she and her team review those pitches all at one time, once a month. So think about that. They've only got, if you're running a weekly podcast, there's only four slots. So if you're pitching yourself to a podcast, it's a weekly show. You're basically asking them to feature you in one of only four very, very valuable slots on that show. And so when you think about a topic that you're going to pitch them, whether it's based around a story or whether it's based around, you know, a subject or something that you want to teach and train on, think about how it's going to solve a problem for the, for the audience and make sure that there's enough meat on the bone that there's at least a 30 minute conversation there. One of the best questions to ask yourself before you go out and have someone start pitching you is if you had to give a TED talk tomorrow, what would you speak on? If you had to give a TED talk tomorrow, what would you speak on? If you can come up with two or three topics or bullet points or stories or whatever that would make good TED talks by themselves, that's the quality level of stuff that podcasters are looking for in their pitch emails, right? When they're getting pitched. So, if, you, if I had to give a TED talk tomorrow, what would I speak on? That is a very, very good question to ask yourself and write down as many things as you can think of and then pick out the two or three best. And that's what you want to start pitching yourself based on. All right. We've only got two more to go. Pet peeve number eight, long or short emails. Now, we come to on this. Uh, this is one that causes plenty of disagreement, even among podcasters. Uh, some like pitch messages and emails that are short, sweet to the point. Some don't mind longer emails that give um, all the background and information and topics and talking points they need to make a final decision. I tend to err on the side of short. So when my team pitches me, we start by sending a short 
impactful initial email that only has one goal, which is to get them to say, yes, I'm open to the idea of having Matt on the podcast. Then we follow up with more detail in a second email and we get the final yes. So if you break your pitching process up into stages like that, you can send a very focused, short, sweet initial email that's all about the compelling story or the topic that you want to share and what brings value to the audience, right? Then you can follow up and just get the final yes and get the thing scheduled. So that leads into our final mistake, final pet peeve. This is one that I see a lot and that I am very uh, keyed in on, which is putting the mental burden back on the host. So if you want to get a yes, make it easy for the host to say yes. You know, at each stage of the pitching process, whether it's the initial email or the final scheduling, I recommend that every piece of communication, every email, every message, whatever, every piece of communication builds to one question with one ideal answer, which is yes. Don't put the mental burden back on the host by leaving the topic up to them or making them wade through paragraphs of background on you or just being unclear on the next steps, right? You'd be shocked at how many people do this. They they put the mental burden back on the other person, right? They don't put themselves in the shoes of the person who's reading that email, who's probably reading it while they're in line for coffee or scanning through a bunch of emails once a month, like I mentioned, just to find out a couple to fill out their schedule. When you when you when you do the right things and you, and you build your communication in such a way that the end of each email or the end of each piece of communication really only asks them to do one thing, which is to say yes, that takes the mental burden off of the other person and you end up with a pitch process that that's easy, right? It's just like falling down a slide. All the podcast host has to do is say, yes, I'm open to the idea. Great. You follow up with details and you say, does that sound good? Yes. Then you follow up and you say, hey, I've got two or three options for, for a podcast conversation recording. You know, these are the days that work best for me. Here's two or three options. And the host can just pick out one and say, yes, right? Give them something they can say yes to rather than putting things back on them and saying, hey, this is who I am. We can talk about anything you want which is really saying, hey, here's a bunch of work to do on figuring out my topic. You do it, <laughs> right? Don't do that to people. Uh, take the mental burden off of them. Uh, entrepreneurs and experts and executives are like this. Give them something to say yes or no to, right? And you'll get way more yeses. If you give them something where you give them all these multiple choice options or you ask them to do some of the work for you, you're just, you might not get rejections. They might just get ignored. And, and maybe not even for you know any vindictive reason, it's just when you add friction to the process and you're putting the mental burden on somebody else, you're, you're just adding friction. And sometimes that email just gets set to the side and forgotten, even though you sound like a great guest, right? So don't do things like that to sabotage you in the process. So basically those are the, the nine pet peeves that I wanted to go over. Now, as a coach or a consultant, I, I feel like your time is incredibly valuable doing client work and building your business. So like I mentioned, beyond reaching out to your uh, extended network and getting maybe your first 10 podcast interviews on the books, I don't recommend that you send, spend a single minute uh, pitching yourself cold, right? I see way too many experts trying to pitch themselves and handle it all themselves. And either they fall off after a couple of weeks or it just doesn't get done at all. Uh, I mean, that's what happened to me. And, and I wrote a freaking book. Um, and so I'm, I'm typically very good at just setting aside time and just doing something methodically every day. But when I set myself the task of researching and reaching out and pitching one, e, uh, you know, one podcast a day, I, I found that it just didn't get done, right? It just never seemed like it was the most important thing to do. So 
just shortcut that process. Uh, I recommend you have somebody else pitching you cold, you know, to anyone where there isn't a relationship where you know the podcast or you have a host or you have a mutual friend with them, have somebody else do the pitching. Um, you know, I've trained, created a training basically inside of the Microfamous Fast Track where you can basically say, hey, intern or an assistant, uh, go log into this module, go through these videos and, and bam, out the other side, they pop four weeks later, fully trained to be your podcast pitch assistant and handle all that stuff for you. So so that's all in the fast track. You can check that out. Get microfamous.com slash fast track. Um, but the other benefit of having someone pitch you is this. It puts some distance between you and the pitch process, right? By having someone else handle all the cold pitching and getting you featured, it takes the burden of researching and constructing the pitch off of your shoulders. You know, you might find that your assistant reaches out to shows you wouldn't have thought of or shows that you might think you're not ready for. And you might be surprised by who says yes. Make sure that you've got beyond just people in your network, make sure that when it's, when it comes to pitching and reaching out to podcast hosts where there's no existing relationship, have somebody else do that for you because that takes some homework. And if you put all that burden on yourself, 99 times out of 100, you're going to look back a couple weeks later and realize you haven't sent a single email. Right. So rather than falling into that trap, or if you've done that, you know what I'm talking about and <laughs> go, go check out the Microfamous fast track. Cause we've got the module in there where you can send any smart, capable assistant or intern through that, that, you know, that module, the podcast pitch assistant module that's inside of the fast track. And in four weeks, they come out fully trained to pitch you and they start sending emails in week two, right? If they just follow that kind of training program, you'll be fine. And you'll have somebody that's pitching you consistently getting two to four yeses a month, getting you a book on podcasts, and that system will just kind of start to run and operate consistently in your business, which is what I have. And that's what I want for every single introverted expert in my world is just being consistently featured on podcasts because that's the first step in the micro famous system. If you don't have that foundation of things done, then you're missing out on a huge opportunity to build authority, visibility and relationships in your space. And ultimately that means you're missing out on the ability to build influence and become famously influential in your space. So with that being said, I just want to give a quick thanks to everyone uh, that contributed to this kind of roundup of the podcast pitch pet peeves, you know, the hosts of Lockhead on Marketing, Bigger Pockets, Real Estate Money School, Boss Mom, Grow Your Impact, Influence and Income, Millionaire Mindcast. If there's anybody I mentioned, didn't uh, mention and forgot, I apologize, but go check everybody out. Check all those podcasts out. They're amazing, phenomenal resources. The hosts themselves are amazing, phenomenal people. And I hope you leave each of them a five-star review if it turns out that you enjoy their show because every podcaster loves a genuine, authentic review on Apple Podcasts. So again, thank you so much for listening and we'll see you on the next episode.